0: Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love us and care for us. We thank you for your word. We ask you to bless this study as we get into it, Lord. We ask you to be with each of those that are have not here through choice or, or activities that they're going to, Lord, that you know what's going on. I ask you to bless them. And we just thank you and ask for your leading in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to be looking at we're made part of the body of Christ. And so we're going to start in first. Corinthians, 12, and we're going to start at verse 12, and we're going to read the whole thing, and then we'll kind of look at it a little bit, piece piece by piece. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, becoming being many, are one body also. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made have all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member but many. And if the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not part of the body, is it therefore not of of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were were an eye, where would the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would, would be smelling? But now has God set members every one of them in the body as it has pleased him and if they were all one member where were the body but now are they many members but yet but yet but one body and the eye cannot say unto the hand i have no need of you or again the head to the feet i have no need of you no much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable upon these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness all right we're going to look at this this is this is paul and it's kind of a when you think about see it through through when it looks that he's really making fun of people and making fun of things and uh he starts out in verse 12 the body is one and has many members and all the members of the one body being many are one body so also is christ and he's really picturing our body Uh, And when we really, I mean, even with his understanding, he was thinking hands and fingers and digestive tract and intestines and and and, feet. But we know that the body is made up of trillions of cells, each with an individual part to do. And so Paul is saying that the body of Christ is like unto our physical body. There's hands, feet, and without any one part of the body, there's, you know, If we lost any one part of it, we have difficulty. If you lose an arm, you, have, you, you can survive without the arm, but you have to compensate for the loss of an arm. If you lose a foot, you have to compensate for it. You know, if you lose an eye, you compensate. And so he's saying the body of Christ is just like our body. It's made up of many parts. And this is something we all have to understand, and we've talked about this on occasions, but this is one we're going to do a big study on it. It says, For one spirit, by one spirit, are we all baptized into one body. Whether Jew or Gentile, whether bond or free, we have all been made to drink into one spirit. And we've talked about baptism. That's to be immersed into. And in this case, he's talking about baptized into the body of Christ, where we are to stay. And Jesus has one body, and this has a second picture of. There's multiple churches out there that are part of his body. so, And they are all called bodies of Christ, uh, the church, the ecclesia, which is a fancy word we're going to look into. Uh, but we are made into bodies, individual bodies, and each church has a ministry to certain people. And that's why all churches are not alike. All churches don't reach out to the same people. They reach out to the people God has called them to reach out to. And in within our each church, there's individuals that reach out to certain types of people and different people, and it is all that we're, but we're still one body, and we need each other. We really need each other. And then Paul is going through, you know, it doesn't matter whether they were Jew or Gentile, and that was the two big divisions in his mind. You're either a Jew or you're somebody else. <laughs> uh, and he says, oh, you can be bond, you can be a servant, or you can be free, freeborn. You are, you are a citizen of Rome. And he says, All have been made to drink of this one spirit. All made into one body of Christ. And the church especially at that day was kind of an interesting place because you might have a slave who was who had been a Christian for a long time and was the teacher and they might even have their master go into that church. So outside of the church he was in he was in care of the master. <laughs> And in the church, he was over the so master rabboni, because it was a different place.
1: The rabboni, the rabbi is a preacher, and then the rabboni is a teacher. And she pre-rabbi is a, I think I got it right.
0: I'd have to look that up. I don't. I don't know that term.
1: I learned that today. I'm okay. reading that book of Christina's. Okay. Of what a rabboni is, a rabboni. Maybe I spoke. Pronounce it wrong. But that, that means teacher.
0: Well, rabbi is a teacher. Is, yeah. A
1: rabbi is a preacher, or Is a teacher, is a teacher. also.
0: Yeah, they're the teacher. Uh, Verse 14, For the body is not one member but many. And we know that from the body. He says, If the foot shall say, Because I'm not the hand, I am not part of the body, is he therefore not part of the body? And we can just picture that. You know, the foot saying, Hey, I'm 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 not a hand. I want to be a hand, so I'm leaving. And off it walks. You know, it just runs off and just separates itself from the body. And we know that that can't happen. And this is where Paul is making pretty much a joke right now. And he's and he's really looking at the people who aren't happy with what they are in the body of Christ, and each person in the body of Christ has a job that God has gifted them to do, and they may be a foot, they may be a hand, they may be the the the, the mouth that you know they they may be the seeing the eye, but God has gifted them in a certain way, and and oftentimes in the church people will complain, well I don't have what so and so is, I'm not doing what they're doing, well. Then you either aren't called to do it, or you need to step up and do it anyway. You know, whichever the case is, either do it or quit complaining about it and do what you're told to do. And this is where it's really critical for us to be content where God has placed us. And this this keeps us from going and griping about somebody else's what they're doing and what they're not doing because they are in the body, they are who they who they are. And you know, and he goes on to say, "Shall the ear?" And if the ear shall say because i'm not an eye I and i am not part of the body is it therefore not of the body and he says if the whole body were an eye where would be the hearing and here he's continuing this you know if everybody had the same gift you know he's really saying what a funny body that would look like you'd have this one great big eyeball <laughs> according to him with no hearing no speaking no feet to do anything no hands to to accomplish anything and he says that would be a funny-looking body, and we all have probably been in some place where we're kind of jealous of somebody else's gift, something they're doing.
1: They showed a, a, a comedy kind of, it. it was the funny part of it, like you're talking about where the guy had had his ear cut off, and his, his, one of his buddies is talking to the ear, can you hear me, George, or Joe, can you hear me, and the, the other guys yeah, it doesn't work that
0: way it's, it's a dead piece it's not attached to the body <laughs> right and that's true that's actually a very true statement if we detach ourselves from the body you know we are dead we we are no longer functioning the way we're supposed to and i've said it over and over the church isn't the end all of being spiritual but if you're not in the church you will fall away from god it's just a it's just a guarantee you will over time fall away because there's nobody to pick you up, there's nobody to hold you hold you accountable and every time I see people pull away from the body of Christ, the church, the church, they will fall away from God at some point. You've got to have the body of Christ, the people of God to help you grow, to keep you accountable, to to challenge you. And without it, they will Come and fall away. And I've seen very strong people that do that, figuring they don't need the body because they've studied so much and they know God so well. And then you look at them a year and a half, two, three years later, and they're no longer reading the Bible. They're no longer studying with groups. They're no longer praying. They're no longer worshiping God. And this is why when I meet people and they go, Well, I can worship God on the mountains, I'm going, Yes, you can. Are you? Tell me about your worship on the mountain. You know what? what has God been telling you? How He's been he been teaching you? And because it's just an excuse, I don't need the church. But we need the church. The church is the body of Christ, just as our fingers need the rest of the body, because it supports the blood. It gets nutrition from the rest of the body. The mouth needs You know, provides nutrition and speaks. But it, but it is not what actually makes the nutrition and passes it around. We all need parts of the body to grow correctly. And it is very important for us to see this because each one of us has a different gifting from God. There are teachers in the body. There are workers in the body. There are people that are just quiet prayer warriors. There are people that are that are gifted in, in, in seeing things that others can't see, hearing God's voice in a clear way. And that's why we need each other. And that's why we work with each other to help each other grow into and and iron sharpening iron as we rub up against people. Is the body of Christ perfect? Absolutely not. We won't because we're made up of sinners. We're never going to be a perfect body of Christ. Are there hypocrites in the church? Absolutely there's hypocrites in the church. There's hypocrites in every thing that you do. But there's also a lot of people in the church that just love Christ and want to love people for everything they're worth to show God's love. So while there are problems in it, there are also godly people trying to lift up Jesus Christ in all that they do. And so we want to be able to look and say, there we have somebody who's lifting up Christ that's wanting to love. And is the body of Christ perfect? No. But it is godly overall. Is there ungodly people in it? Yes. Are there, are there even sinners in there? Yes. We're all sinners. Are there unsaved people in, in every church? Absolutely. If there's not an unsaved person in your church, the church is doing nothing out there for God. And we will need the unsaved because that's who we're trying to minister to. But, and Jesus said the tares will always be in there. There will always be ones that look like the wheat, look like Christians, but aren't. And so our job is just to be the body of Christ. Even in our physical body, there are things in our physical bodies that don't belong there, germs and bacteria and, and infections, all you know, the, they say that every single person in this world has cancer cells in their body, but the body's defenses are usually able to destroy them, and so you don't get cancer. Uh, but we have cancer cells. We all have diseases within our bodies that our body is able to fight. When it can't fight it, then we get sick. And so there's even in a physical body we have problems. And God says we're we're a spiritual body the church is a spiritual body out there and um, verse 18 but God has set the members every one of them in the body as it has pleased Him. God is the one that gives the gifts he's the one that puts the right people in the church he's the one that's you know sets people into into their places He's the one that call, calls somebody to drive 30 miles to come to church and, and be the pastor and teach. He's the one that you know brings people 30 miles just to come here. Uh, I've in the past been going churches that were 25, 30 miles away to attend, not even to be paid to attend, but just attend. We up people in Chloride just, just think that the Chloride Baptist Church isn't for them and they go other places. God puts people where He wants them to be. And we just need to say thank you god you you know what you're doing and this is important for us we know that god is the one that puts people in place that person that that ruffles our feathers and irritates us the most god put them in there maybe to do just that be the one that ruffles our feathers and tests whether we're going to love them as christ loves them and so and we are probably somebody that will ruffle somebody else's feathers and, and push and, and chafe them and make them show God's love. You know, we, we always assume that somebody else is bothering us, but that we never really think about the, how we might bother somebody else. And there's guarantee that we're going to bother somebody. It, it's just a guarantee. It, we're human. They're human. We're going to do something that they don't like. And not necessarily intentionally. Sometimes we're just being ourselves and we will irritate somebody. And God says, I have put each person in the body the way I want them to be. I gifted them the way I want them to be gifted. And this is very important for us to understand because it's as I've I've been saying many times, everybody is a sinner and sinners sin. And it shouldn't surprise us when they sin. God has put people in the church that are going to be just what he wants them to be, whether it's a teacher, a singer, uh, an evangelist, a prayer warrior, somebody who invites everybody and their brother to church. You know, it's, you know God has what He wants out there for us to see, and He is the one that gives everybody their gifts to do it. And He says, "But there are many members, yet one body." And this is always important for us. Everybody fits together. And and in another place, we're told that we're fitly joined together as as rocks in a building, in a temple, that everything just is perfectly formed and fits together, and we make a beautiful church as a whole. And God says, I have put every one of you together to make one, to be one. And this is very important for us to understand. And it says... And the eye cannot say unto the hand, "I have no need of you." you Nor the head to the foot, "I have no need of you." Now we can't picture this happening in the body. You know, the head going, "Oh, hand, I don't need you anymore. Go away." (laughs) You know, go away. You you, you don't think you don't. You don't. You don't have eyes in you. You don't have ears. You don't have a mouth. so I don't need you. Go away. And the the head would have a very hard time feeding itself without the hands. and that's basically what he's saying, you know, in, in the church, we can't tell somebody, well, you're not needed, your, your job is unimportant. We don't have a clue how important their job is. Only eternity will tell us how important their job is, because that, that person that you think was the least important may be the whole reason people come to visit your church, because they're out there t- inviting everybody. They're inviting everybody to come, and you may not know that or even see that. You just think, well, they don't do anything. They're not teaching. They're not, they're not leading anything. They barely even speak but you never know. We never know how important somebody is to the body. You may be talking to the prayer warrior who's the reason that things are happening and you never knew it and you think, oh, they're not important. They never do anything. We don't know what's going on and God says it's important for us to understand that. And it says, no, much more those members of the body which seem to be feeble are necessary. And this is very important in our, in our own physical body the little toe on the foot takes and supports the weight of the body and most people don't know that but if you break the little the fifth metatarsal the fifth toe you will find out that you cannot stand because it takes the weight the big toe which looks like it should be the one that handles the weight is actually the one that balances your body it's the counterweight on your foot for the balance so we look at this and say wow now all these things are so unimportant you know doctors used to take tonsils and and uh, appendix out really quick and easy and now they're realizing because they thought they were worthless they thought because they got sick they thought they were worthless and and now they're finding out they're an integral part of our defenses against diseases and that's why they get the diseases because that's what they're there for they're there to get the disease so the rest of the body doesn't get sick and so God's saying those little parts those little parts that may not seem important will be the one that really is important the person that we think is not doing anything may be the one that ministers to people when they're down and brings them back up and lifts them back up and keeps them from staying down we never know what they're doing and God says the little parts the ones that seem feeble are necessary to the body and the members which we think to to be less honorable Upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our comely part, uncomely parts, have more abundant comeliness. And God, and this is talking about how we, as humans, on our body, hide the parts that that are ashamed or that we don't like. Or you know, the bald, the balding guy puts a hat on his head uh, and keeps a hat on all the time because he doesn't want to show off his his head. You know, some, you know, most people do not think that feet are attractive, so we put uh, shoes and socks on our feet to hide the. Uh, You know, so, you know, and God is saying that those things that we think are unattractive, we pay a lot of attention to to cover them and to to make them. And sometimes that's what we'll do, what we need to do in the church. We cover those and we protect those that are less able, they're feeble. And that's when the body comes around them and just loves them, edifies them, builds them up, doesn't tear them down. And this is why it's so important for us as a church, as members of a church, to build people up, to edify. Because the ones that are weak need to be helped and grown. And we also need it ourselves. Nobody wants to always be criticized and and put down. And we can see it in the world. You watch that person who is always attacked, always, always put down, always made fun of. And you watch them over years, retreat more and more into themselves. That or get violent. One or the other. They either retreat or they get violent and strike out. But the majority of them just retreat into their shell and don't want to have anything to do with anybody because they're just so hurt. And we've seen it over time how attacks on people can just destroy. And the problem is it destroys at the soul level. It's something that is a it's a hard hurt to be corrected because they get hurt so deep and God is saying we need to love them. We need to build them up and we see that over and over again. And and part of my job as a pastor is to keep edifying and building people up, encouraging people. I don't ever want to hurt people. Now sometimes I have to say hard things as a pastor and teach hard things, but it's not with the purpose of hurting people. When we preach about hell, the idea is not, you know, we're happy that you're going to hell. It's nobody should be going to hell. And I've said that over and over again. If we really understood how horrific hell is, we wouldn't want our worst enemy going there because it's more than anybody deserves and, or, or more than we think anybody deserves and because it is so horrendous. It is eternal punishment. And we and i never want to see anybody go to hell i don't care how bad they are or how mean they are or nasty there are i don't want to see anybody go to hell i want to be able to build them up edify them give them the gospel and see them make right decisions because the idea of hell hell was created for the demons and 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 satan not for man and it was for his disobedience that it was created not not man's but yet God says okay if you want to sin you'll go where the devils are going and it's a pr- eternal punishment and our job as Christians is to love people and to show them their need for Christ and again it goes back to sinner sin and when we get, really get to the understanding that sinner sin we're never surprised by it and we can be kind to them the only time we're really going to have a hard time with sinners is when we think they should be good and that's not what a sinner is sinners aren't good Now, a saved sinner can be good because they've got Jesus Christ in their heart, but even they are going to make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. I'm going to hurt hurt people even though my desire is not to hurt them. I'm going to say a mean thing once in a while to people because I'm a sinner just like everybody else. So the key is to be good but to know that other things can happen. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 22, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. And this is talking about God and where he's placed the church. And he says, he's put all things under his feet. And this put all things is a is a military term. It's tasso It means to arrange under, to... To set under to be under uh, it literally the word submit is where, where it is always to or subject to and it means basically in the military it's you have a position in the military and you are under certain non-commissioned officers or officers and you are responsible to follow their rules and this whole idea of, of being put under it is not that it has that we're less than or le- less important but we're under somebody who has a position of authority. And Jesus is the one who is the head of the church. And he has been put there by God. He is the one who we are all to be submitted to and, and aligned under. And it says that all things are under his foot to, and gave him to be the head of all things to the church. And this word church in Greek is ecclesia. And it literally means, ecclesia literally means the gathering of citizens called from home to a public place. So the church is a group of heavenly citizens called out of their earthly, earthly place to be together as one in some public forum. And this is where we get the idea of church. The church is all the body of Christ called out of the world into his presence. But literally, it's us called together in one place to worship Him. Whether it's a home or or a building like we do in, in America where we have a church or just somebody's home, it's that calling out of the citizens of heaven to worship Him. And that's the Ecclesia. So anytime Christians come and meet together, and Jesus said it, where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of you. That's a meeting of his church, his body, where two or three gathered. There's his body meeting, and this is why it's important. We are to gather together frequently, not just the five times five times a week we meet here at this church, but any time we come together is a meeting of the church, or should be. And God is saying he's put together his church, and. This is his body, and it says the fullness of him that fills all. And both these fill, fullness and fill are the same word. It's pleroma, and it literally means to fill to the full capacity, to almost be overflowing, to be complete, or to supply liberally. It's almost the idea of overflowing. It's it's you're filling the you're filling the jar up so full that it's all the way to the top, you couldn't get any more in it without spilling it out. And this is what it said, this is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Jesus fills the body, but the body is a, fu- is a fulfilling for him. It is his bride, he's watching, he wants it to be sweet, he wants it to be complete. And he's saying, we are that fullness. He is the fullness. And this is what we talk about. When somebody gets saved, they get this whole experience with God in a new life. And it fills that hole in their life that they've been looking for. Because only God can fill up that hole because he is infinite. And the infinite God fills the hole that was designed for him, the infinite anything less than that will not fill it alcohol drugs sex lying you know promiscuity all the other promiscuities any sin will not fill that hole that only god can fill and we really want to be able to grab hold of that that he is the one that is the fullness without him there is no peace there is no joy there is no completeness ephesians 5 Verse 23 and 30. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. And verse 30, for we are the members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And this is the picture. Jesus and the church are the perfect picture of marriage. And this is marriage is to a type of Christ with his relationship with the church and it says in verse 23 for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the Savior God gave his whole life so that he could redeem the church save individuals and bring people into the church and this verse is very important because it shows the picture of what a true marriage is supposed to be the husband is to treat his wife as Jesus treats the church and most husbands don't do that it's too high a calling for us. No matter how much we want to or try to, we'll never be able to love our wives as Christ loves the church. But the closer we true get to it, the better. The more we try, the better. And Jesus loves the church. And the church it says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Because the husband and wife become one, Jesus and the church become one. He lives within us. We are given strength by him we're given a life by him we're we're really full full because of him and this is so important for us to grab hold of I talk often about the body of Christ because it is a important aspect of who we are we are made into one body and he puts us together and it's a wonderful thing to watch the body of Christ get things accomplished and be able to say you know we need to do this and have people step up and do this because I'm good at certain things but I'm not good at everything and if it wasn't for other people some things would never get done because I'm not able to do everything and it's important that we know that we have a place in God's body we have something that we do and if we don't know what it is we need to talk to God and find out what it is because it's important to know because he is the one that can help us get there. All right, Ephesians four, one page back, verses eleven and twelve. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, and the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto the perfect man Unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ And this is talking about how he has gifted different people to be different things Not all people are going to be apostles not all people are going to be prophets not all people are going to be evangelists now That doesn't mean that we don't act in these avenues sometimes But some people are gifted an evangelist. We're all told to go witness. We're all told to make disciples but there are some people who are gifted as evangelists, and not all not even all people who claim to be evangelists are gifted to be evangelists you know because I've been to some that aren't. I've been with some who aren't. They've got a great message, a very practiced message that they give five, six times a a week you know, but they're not gifted to be evangelists. They don't have the heart of an evangelist. They won't walk down the city street and witness to everybody they come across to. And an evangelist who's gifted to be an evangelist will witness to everybody. It doesn't matter where they're at, whether they're being paid or by somebody to, to go be the evangelist. They are an evangelist. And they're fun to watch. They're fun to be with. They're embarrassing to be with sometimes. but and, and in one sense, they put you to shame because you didn't think about talking to some of these people. And there they are witnessing to them. And it's great to be with them. But the purpose of these gifts is to perfect the saints. And each one of us have gifts that the church needs to be perfected. Every single person sitting in the, in, the, in the church has some gift that will bring the church to unity and to knowledge and to the perfect man. And the measure and statue of the fullness of Christ, and fullness here again is pleroma, that full to the top. And Christ is looking for that in his body to be full to the top Colossians 124
1: yeah I learned about the talent we have talents and then we have gifts the gifts are the talents talented to do piano or and then the gift to sing
0: some people are gifted to play the instruments they've never studied they're just gifted to play them okay. so
1: gift.
0: yeah you know, gifts and talents you know a lot of people will try to make a very clear distinction of them and they'll try to say well the Bible only has cer- these certain gifts well Anything you're doing for God is a gift. And it has to be because usually if we have a talent for something, it is hard to keep our own flesh out of the service. That is why oftentimes God will call somebody who has no apparent ability to do a job and saying, I'm calling you to do this job. Why? Because they have to depend completely, 100% on God. And because the problem is, when you're, gift, when you're talented in an area, it, it may or may not be where you're supposed to work, but it's easy to say, look what I have done because I am, I am talented in this area, and it's, you've got to be careful with working in an area that you're talented in. And like I say, I've seen God more than once use people who have no talent in something, no, no ability, and then he teaches them to depend on him, and they're very successful at it. So I am not too big a fan of this idea of the separating talent and, and, and gift because mo- most of the time people cannot work within a talent that they have uh, because they start thinking about this, look what I am getting, and they, don't, and they feel like they don't need God anymore, and that's a dangerous place to be at. Um, Colossians 1.24. Who now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up... That which is beyond behind of the afflictions of Christ in the flesh, for his body's sake, which is the church. And here Paul's saying, I'm willing to suffer, I'm willing to suffer, so the church is built up for the church's sake, for the body of Christ's sake. Another place Paul said, I'm torn betwixt the two to go home or to remain to go home which is more profitable, or to remain with you to teach. That's a little bit of a paraphrase, but, you know, and I understand that feeling. I would very much say, God, just take me home to heaven because that's a great place, all the blessings there. But by the same token, he's got me in a place where the church is being taught and people are growing and and being developed. And I want to say, God, thank you. As long as you have a place for me here to be able to reach people, I am more than willing to stay here and suffer all the stuff that I go through to minister to your people to watch them grow in you and get stronger and to develop with you and that's where we're at with people we need to be where we want to say God I just want to see your church grow no matter what it means to me no matter what troubles I have God, I want you to be the one that's lifted up and we see that all through the scriptures Look at somebody like Noah who builds a boat for a for 100 years, preaching the gospel, and no one responds to his message as he struggles to build a boat. We look at, a, at Jeremiah constantly being thrown into prison and beat and, and thrown into cisterns and, and mistreated, and yet he's saying, I'm going to give God's message. Why? Not because I'm being blessed, not because my life is easy, but because God wants his message to go out. Paul and the other Apostles beat everywhere they so many places they go they get beat they get thrown into jail they get you know they're they they end up being martyred and their answer is thank you God that I'm worthy of suffering for Christ you made me worthy of suffering for you thank you why so that his name would be lifted up that people would come to Christ and and the church would grow and we need to get to this point where we look at it and say, God, I'm here to serve you. Even if everything goes wrong in my life, I want, I'm ready to serve you. And this is something I've been struggling with for the last last month myself because things have been going hard for me. And I'm going, God, what's going on? Why is all this happening? And yet I know, where I'm, I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. And I know God's got a reason for it. And if I lose everything that I have, then that's what he wants and I will deal with losing everything that I have because that is where I what he what he, that's what he has desired. And it's not an easy decision, it's a hard decision. You know, anytime somebody says it's easy easy to make to go through these things, then they're not really being
1: honest. A lot of testimonies about that.
0: Yeah. But, you know, it's easy to live for God because you just let him live through you, but it doesn't make things all that easy if we're, if our flesh is involved. Because our flesh is not going to like what we have to do for God. (laughs) And it's going to rile up and complain. Romans 12, verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the portion of faith or ministry, let us wait upon our ministering, or he that is a teacher, that, that teaches on teaching, he that exhorteth on ex- exhortation, he that gives, let him do it with simplicity, he that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one unto another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. And this is again Paul saying, the body is many the gifts are many and he doesn't list this list is not an ex- all exclusive list of all the gifts out there that are available paul just lists a number of them and says here's here's a selection for you to think about okay and he you know and he talks about prophesying speaking with the authority of god is what prophets are not necessarily telling the future but speaking with the authority of god and he goes on to say minister ministry let them minister, and those are the, those are those people that do those kind little things. They're the ones that get the jobs done around a church that need to be done, oftentimes without being noticed. They're the ones that, when it's time to serve up our lunches, our, our, our covered dish dinner after service, or the ones that miss a service so that they can get things ready and make sure that everything is ready to go. They're the ones that will come to the property and pick the weeds without everything without making a big deal and letting everybody know what I've done you know they're the ones that you know do the the fixing of things because that's where they're gifted you know, and this is a big gift for people the idea of ministering and this ministry can be those who go and visit the sick and the dying and and gospel but it's so much more and he that teach on teaching not everybody is a teacher but when God gives us something to teach, we're to teach and, and be gifted. He that exhorts on exhortation. Exhortation, building people up, making them feel good. Not in their flesh, but just feel good because of what God has done for them. And not making things up. Nothing is worse than having somebody say something to you than, and it's not real and they don't know anything. And I had a pastor one time, and walking down the hallway of the church and, you know, I knew him. I think he knew my name, but he really didn't know me. He goes, I like what you've been doing. You know, I, I want to just say thank you for all the things you do in the church. And I, that and smart mouth asked him, what am I doing in the church? Wondering if he knew. You know, because it was a big church and lots of subordinate pastors. And this was one of the high up pastors. And I was just curious, did he even know anything? And he just looked at me like, why would I ask? You know, and, and walked on, you know, and it's. But to me, it was a false praise. It was like he didn't know anything about me and or what I was doing. And if we'd talked and I shared with him what he was doing and then he told me that thank you, it would have meant a lot. But just to tell me something that he knew nothing about, that doesn't build somebody up because it's false and it's not real. And we want to be to this place where we always speak truth. We want to build people up but not falsely. And that exhortation, and he that gives, let him do it with simplicity, that sincereness, honesty, no self seekingness. And that's where God says the gifts need to be. When we give, give we're supposed to do it without others knowing. Uh, Jesus told, talked about the widow's mite, where she gave two, the two mites, which aren't even a penny, and said she's given more than anybody else who's given these big gifts. And because she gave simplicity, she gave of her her poverty, and God says she is truly given. And if you give a lot of money, you know, if you give you know a hundred dollars, and it's you know, and you're making five thousand a a month, and you only give a hundred dollars, you may be giving more than most people, but you're still not giving till it hurts. You're just saying, here, God, here's your, here's my little tip to you, God. You know, bless me. I've given you, I've given you a small amount of money. Uh, and God is saying, no, he wants it to be not self-seeking. And this is one of the things that churches are talking about. You know, if we lose our our tax-exempt status, you know, what will happen with giving? And the question is, shouldn't change at all. If people are giving with the right reason, it shouldn't change.
1: Portraits has a program, if you give to the kid thing, you get double your uh, tax credit. Hmm. Did you read that one? I don't know if it? I read yeah. that yeah. one. I mean, you get double your tax credit if you give four hundred, three hundred, four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, but you got to get big that amount of money, you know. or four, four dollars whatever, it hurts, you know. If yeah. You give it to it hurts, and then you uh, get a double tax credit.
0: Hmm. I didn't read that. Though.
1: I mean, I've never got a tax credit for giving, but I've never.
0: Oh, I give quite a bit, but I usually don't give enough know, to uh, get it. If so somebody's
1: holding on ransom. You can claim the ransom demand as a tax credit. Mm. <laughs>
0: He that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. And this one is kind of important. He that shows mercy. There are a lot of people that are willing to give mercy, but they do it very grudgingly. You know, all right, God, I'm not going to make the, you you don't have to give them what they deserve. You know, that's not the attitude God wants. He wants them to be cheerful. Lord, I love them enough that I want them to be not judged for what they've done and i've shared that with different people and i've seen god come against them and sometimes my prayer is god don't give them what they deserve please get them some you know help, find, help break them some other way please don't do what what it takes to deserve and learning to be merciful to people and getting that area of forbearance that we've talked that i've talked about the the i give up my right to demand judgment you know it's even deeper than mercy it's i literally give it up i don't want people to be judged I really don't want to see people get judged unless God has to use that judgment to get them to come to him I don't want them to see them get punished because they did something to me you know, I, I, am, I really have this idea that I'm not important enough for, you know, to have to have them get punished and God can do what he wants and needs to do but my attitude is God don't you know, Just love them, bring, draw them to you because it's not important enough to me I just want God to be my defense I'll just hide in him and let him be my defense but my prayer is still God please don't crash, uh, crush them for for doing these a things common
1: saying that I hear that really irritates not an irritate me but it, it's a common thing you've heard it bunch of times is where were you last week mm-hmm. and it puts people on the spot and then they gotta come up with excuses or reasons it's just something that people, we missed you last. Week. Instead of saying we missed you last week, is like where were you last week? You, mean, you know, it, no. it, it, just that little way of phrasing it can make a big difference in being merciful. And,
0: uh, and that's exactly what God is saying. I mean, and that is a very true statement because you know, where were you is more of an accusation. You should have been here, and you don't know what they were doing. They may have been exactly where God wanted them to be.
1: Exactly. Um, it's, it's a common. I've heard it done over and over, and. It, saying we missed you last week. It's yeah. a better thing to say.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and I'm more and, conscious of it now.
0: And that's just where love comes in, you know, and, and God says, you know, in verse nine it says, Let love be without dissimulation, which means without you know, without favoritism. I'm gonna give everybody equal amounts of love and, and and this is where we want to be. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. You know. And how often do we not abhor evil? especially in our generation where we can watch anything we want on TV or watch anything we want on the computer and nobody knows and oftentimes we will cleave to the evil that we can find on TV and 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 the computer and not and figure nobody knows because I'm in the privacy of my own home and it does make things bad and God is saying you know cleave to the good you know cleave be glued to the good not 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 sitting around with evil and this is where we're the abundance of our heart really starts to show. What is it that we cleave to? What is it to I spit that I spend my time on? Am I administering good things or am I ministering evil? And I you know, what is in my heart will come out. I can pretend all I want and and as long as I'm in full control, I might be able to fool people most of the time. But at some point who I am inside is going to come out. When I'm really struggling with something, who I am is going to come out. When I'm having a hard time, who I am is going to come out. Our families oftentimes see who we are, you know, because we let our guard down and we treat them wrong because, you know, they've got to love us, they've got to forgive us, or whatever, whatever it is. But what's in our heart pours out at that time, whether it's love or mercy, kindness or evil, bitterness, anger. We, we will show that. And then it says be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another and this is the key as Christians we are to prefer one other other people we are we are to seek what's good for them not what's good for us and if everybody is seeking what's good for the other people we're going to be treated good because people are going to want to make sure that we get treated good but our whole goal is to prefer to help to treat and this is where Pastors are, are servants to the body. They, they, they will help people in the church. I have seen some pastors in my lifetime that feel that everybody's there to serve them. And that's not where God's at. You know, God is saying pastors you are to lead others as a shepherd. The shepherd of the flock of sheep leads the the, the sheep. They don't they don't try to hurt the sheep. They're there and when a sheep goes goes astray they go after the sheep to bring it back and this is what pastors are to do. They're to lead the people. They're to to help bring them to perfection, as we read in the one verse. that The job is to perfect the body, to teach to perfect, not to hurt, not to make people humiliated. You know, we teach on sin, we call sin a sin, but we're not out there to humiliate people with, with their sins. We're not out there to condemn them with their sins. Yes, we teach this is a sin or that's a sin, but it's so that people will come to Christ and, and let Christ clear that sin out of their life not not to try to make them feel miserable and 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 bad because of it because sin is sin we all sin and our job is to lift it up and say this is a sin turn repent repent from your sin because it is sin and it's not the idea that we want to just say everybody is welcome you're gonna feel good because going to church is not a feel-good place the Spirit talks and you're going to get convicted. And the conviction is, is not because the pastor's trying to hurt them, it's because the Spirit is there saying, I want you to come to Christ. I want you to become more perfect. I want you to become more filled with Him. I want you to become more of a light for Him. And this is where the important parts come in when we, when we worship God and we, we lift up His name and we glorify Him and then He helps correct us. He wants us to come to repentance. And repentance is simply to to admit what we're doing and that it is wrong and to turn from what we're doing and turn back to God. And that's what repentance is. It's basically a U-turn is a good way to put it. But it's that admission of it's wrong and I've been doing it and I'm going to turn to God. And that U-turn from the sin back to God is what's important about repentance. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the fact that we are a body, that you, that you are the head, that you supply the nourishment, you supply everything that we need to grow in you and that you give us a job to do within your body. And Lord, no matter how insignificant that job is, it's, it's important to the body. And we just thank you in Jesus' name, amen.